0: Be coming to, she'll have a lecture here um, Thursday night and will be here in chapel with us on Thursday. She's written a book um, called Justice Calling. You may have seen posters around and this is a um, biblical understanding of why the character of God includes the idea of justice, that this is part of God's character and how we live within our relationship with God as people that live out um, God's justice in our lives. So I, I would highly recommend that Thursday night in RTT you come and listen to Kristen Johnson. Secondly, I wanted you to know that um, we are in hiring season and we are still looking for um, eager young adults to come and apply to be in campus ministry leadership um, for next fall. So if you are, um, do you have a heart for ministry? If you're thinking about living in the dorms next year um, and you want to come work for me and some other cool students. Do we have SGCs here right now? Anybody? (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, we'd love for you to apply to be a campus ministry coordinator and serve within the dorms to help continue to spread the gospel around this place um, as we need that and need you all to come and join us. So consider that if, if you want to. If you have questions, come and ask me. As we prepare our hearts for the sermon, would you all please uh, bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, the scriptures say that in you there is no darkness at all that you are light and in these this season where it feels as if there's been little light um, we ask that you come and shine your light upon us through your scripture through the reading of your word through the proclamation through the love of each other help us to shine your light to each other when many days feel pretty dark lately lord we need you and we ask for you to open us To the love and light that you give, that we may follow it and be faithful to it. Bless Beck as he comes to preach to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. We are continuing in our series on the Psalms this semester, and as we read the Psalms, uh, we're being encouraged to bring our whole selves our whole selves to God, our joy and happiness, our fears and anxieties, our sin and depravity, our hope and victory, our lament and failure to bring our whole selves to God. We don't do that very much, do we? We're not encouraged to do that. We don't bring our whole selves often. Our culture teaches us, in fact, not to do that. If we were to bring our whole selves to our relationships and to our churches, and to our homes, our workplaces, and our communities, then we would have to admit that we are people who are far from the carefully crafted and maintained images that we have created for ourselves and for others. I suspect that for most of us, our whole selves might be virtually unrecognizable from the little bits and pieces that we have shown the world and to each other, real or contrived. After all, we know image is what? I knew you were too young for this. Image is everything. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know who that is. Wow, okay. This guy's name is Andre Agassi. And back in the day, uh, quite, a, quite a while ago apparently, um, <laughs> He was the advertising spokesman for the Canon Rebel camera, and his tagline was, "Image is everything." Andre Agassi was a tennis rock star. He uh, was uh, kind of reached his prime in the late 80s and early to mid 90s. He was the number one men's tennis player in the world. He was the first male to win all four Grand Slam tennis tournaments on three different surfaces: hard, clay and grass. He earned more than $100 million in prize money and in endorsements. He was particularly known for his hair and for his stone-washed jean tennis shorts, of which I had several pairs as an aspiring tennis player. And you might not believe it, but I actually, Julie will attest to this, had hair just like his. In fact, if you don't believe me, Andre's been following my style ever since. Turn to See? <laughs> he follows me. Andre Agassi wrote an autobiography several years ago, and he said that just during the time in which he was promoting the image is everything slogan, he was falling apart. His personal life was a wreck. He had failed marriages and relationships. He had money and gambling problems, and he had an addiction to methamphetamine. Like most of us, Andre Agassi created a self-portrait that he liked to show to the world, an image that was just good enough for the Canon Rebel camera that he was promoting. But that portrait was only a half-truth. Like all of us, Andre Agassi's whole self was hidden from view. Unless you think that it was just Andre Agassi who participates in this image is everything culture look at this guy. I'm in the image making business myself. Hey, come to Whitworth. Where this nice fella will be your president. <laughs> you can even call him by his first name or ride on his golf cart and I bet those flowers bloom all year long. If you follow my Twitter or Instagram feeds, you'd get to know a guy who loves his family, gets to travel the world, hangs out with smart people and smart students, and never ever has a bad day. You'll see game scores for his beloved Pirates, but only when they win, never when they lose. <laughs> You'll see pictures posted with well-known celebrities and famous people, getting the impression that we've become best friends when in reality and A few minutes was all the time that they had to spare me. Next picture. You'll see pictures of my wonderful family and very cute dog, Peanut. But those pictures will never hint that Julie and I don't always get along. Or that my children aren't perfect, no matter what I tell you. Or that Peanut compulsively digs holes in our backyard. You won't see an Instagram footage of me dropping the F-bomb when I'm frustrated or crying when I'm fearful or in agony when I've committed the same sin against God over and over and over or when I'm lashing out in anger. You won't see me look into the camera on Snapchat and admit that sometimes I don't feel like I can do this job anymore, that it's time for me to hang it up that I'm inadequate or unworthy to lead Whitworth, or that winters last a long, long time in Spokane. No, like Andre Agassi, I get sucked into the image-making culture, too. I don't show my whole self to you or to anyone else, for that matter. And sometimes I'm unwilling to show my whole self to God. But the psalmist doesn't do that. You see, rather than being in the image-making business, King David is in the image-bearing business. David has the courage and the humility. He has the honesty and, well, just the realness to reveal himself, his true self, his whole self to us and to God. And in doing so, in Psalm 39, which is our text for today, David bears the image of one who is intimately known by God of one who pursues us, of a God who pursues us uh, relentlessly, the image of someone God lovingly and uniquely created, and the one God will ultimately deliver. How can David be so confident to bring his whole self to these verses? And where is Jesus in all of this? David is confident of four things about God I want to share with you today. First, God knows us. He knows us intimately. Let me read the first six verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Psychologists tell us that one of the deepest human needs and desires is to be known, for someone to know us completely and to love us even with all of that knowledge. That's why social media and image-making fails us at the end of the day. No matter how many times we post, that platform only encourages us to be partly known. The good parts only, please. We don't want to see the rest. But fortunately, God doesn't just follow our Facebook accounts. God knows me. God knows us. He knows our routines when we're tired, when we're burdened. He knows our thoughts. He knows what gets us excited in the morning and gets us out of bed, what our passions are. And He knows what makes us anxious and scared. He knows what we will say before the words have even crossed our minds. And look how much joy that brings David. Just knowing that he's known by God, even his whole self, brings David indescribable joy. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot even attain it. I don't even understand it, David says. There's no need for image making with God. No need for keeping up appearances. And that brings David and it brings us comfort and joy. Well, at least most of the time. And I'll get to that in a moment. The second truth is that God pursues us. He pursues us relentlessly. Let me read verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall come over me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. One of the reasons God knows us so intimately is because he's with us no matter where we are, no matter what. To be known so well by God might cause some of us to try to flee him. If God knows me, if he knows all of me, the good, bad, and the ugly, then maybe I will be too embarrassed when I sin. Or maybe I don't feel like I'm worthy of God's love. I might feel better if I just ignore God or pretend God doesn't exist. Or maybe I'll just allow the busyness to crowd God out of my life. But fortunately, God doesn't take no for an answer. Scripture teaches us that God, God's love pursues us no matter what, no matter where we try to flee. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus didn't die for us because we were already one with him. Jesus died for us because we fled his presence. And this death was the only way that we could find a path back to him. God knows us and he pursues us. Third, God created us. He lovingly and carefully and uniquely created each one of us. Another reason why God knows us so well and why God pursues us is that God was involved and is involved in every part of our creation. Have you ever just pondered the scope and complexity of the universe? By human measurement, the universe is nearly 14 billion years old. Its diameter is 91 billion light years. It contains 300 sextillion stars. That's a one with 21 zeros and 100 billion galaxies like our Milky Way. But that complexity works, is, works the other way as well. Plants and animals are infinitely complex in their design and manufacture. St. Augustine said this, people go abroad to wonder at the height of the mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast comp- compass of the oceans, at the circular motion of the stars, and yet they pass themselves by without even wondering. The human body alone contains billions of cells, complex systems, and is an intricate balance of elements, chemicals, and enzymes. The human brain, something we know very little about, is the most complex computer ever devised, and it carries out millions of calculations per second while exhibiting the capacity to generate emotions like love and fear and joy and sadness. The same God who created the universe also created King David, and he created you, and he created me, He knows us and pursues us because he made us. Scripture tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. And that creation doesn't stop when we are formed in our mother's womb, but our creation extends to each day of our life, a life which God has ordained. And through Jesus Christ, that creation extends to our recreation as we become more like Christ by God's grace. We are God's creation and recreation. And finally, because God created us, God knows us and pursues us. God will deliver us. Skip ahead just a little bit here. I skipped a little bit. Keep going. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the everlasting. Unlike God, there are those around us, including the devil, who want us to fall, who want us to fail. Our nature is to turn away from God, but God's love for us is so strong that it delivers us from harm, from those who would turn us away from him, and God even protects us from ourselves. Worship team, come on up. In this psalm, we see the love of Christ. Jesus is in this psalm. Jesus Christ formed and created us just like he created the universe. And how much more does he love us Those of us who are made in his own own image, then he loves the rest of his creation. Jesus chased us to the cross where he gives us life. Jesus knows us. We need not fear giving our whole selves to him. And Jesus delivers us at the end of the day. Friends, image is everything. It is. But it's not our image. It's Christ's image in us. That is our all in all. So let us not be image makers, but let us be image bearers. Bearing the image of the one who made us, pursues us, knows us, and ultimately delivers us. Let us bring our whole selves to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Makers but image bearers. Let us reflect the love and grace and truth of our Lord. Now receive this benediction. May the love of God and the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. Go in peace.